he calls us home to be with him, we will be doing that through eternity. What a joy we have now that we can worship the Lord. Well, you can go ahead and take a seat. We won't be um, greeting each other with handshakes for a while yet, but um, there's a few things that we want you to be aware of as we are um, resuming our corporate gatherings um, amidst the, the COVID season here. Um, we encourage you, uh, I see all of you are pretty well spaced out here in this service, but we, we do encourage you to sit six feet away from other family um, units or individuals as much as is possible, just to be safe. And um, we won't be using yellow sheets for a while either, but you can still uh, let us know of prayer requests that you have by going to the website and right on the homepage, you'll see a, a prayer request button. So please know that the elders and the staff are praying regularly for, for all of the requests that you have. And um, also, if you would like to um, give a tithe or offering, there is a box um, right in the lobby um, behind the doors as you leave, if you would like. So I have um, just three quick announcements here for us. Um, this Wednesday, you have the opportunity to join Christians um, across the nation uh, for a virtual prayer gathering that's being hosted by the EFCA leadership. Um, that's the denomination that we're a part of. And the theme is United in Prayer. And with everything going on in the world, it is very apparent that we as the church need to be united in prayer. So I strongly encourage you to participate in this. Um, I think there's some details in the, the email that was sent out um, to all of you, but it will be um, 7 to 7.30 this Wednesday. Um, on, there will be a church-wide uh, pork feed coming up, um, hosted by the men's and women's ministries on uh, Friday, June 19th at 5.30. So put that on your calendars. And also uh, save the date for a church-wide camping uh, weekend. Um, this is a ways away, uh, August 14th and 15th, but uh, we have plans to um, camp at a, a campground in Birchwood. So if, you're, if that sounds appealing, put that on your calendars. So as we um, resume having our uh, sermons here this morning, I'd like us to go to the Lord in prayer before Pastor Cody comes. Please join me. Almighty and righteous Father, we worship you because of who you are. And as we hear your word tonight, we ask that you would change us from the inside out by the power of your Holy Spirit. As we resume hearing your word proclaimed in our corporate gatherings here tonight, let us not just listen passively, but let us seek to put into action all that we hear. We invite you to instruct us, to teach us, to convict us by the power of your spirit. Grant us a willing heart to trust and obey you so that the way that we live will make you known. We ask that you would anoint Pastor Cody as he preaches, that he would speak what you want us to hear about your faithful and unfailing love. 
We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Eric. I'm going to stay down here because I like being down here, and maybe I'll transition next week up there. But I like being here closer to you, and I like that we have sounds. Ashley, your daughter talking, that's awesome. We're, we'll get used to that. We enjoy having children talk. Katie, if you got to talk, you can talk too, I guess. Tell your dad, turn to Hosea, you know, help him out, find that in the Bible. And, but it's good to be together, and I'm excited to get back into our series face-to-face. We've been continuing with our series on video, but we are going through Christ in the Old Testament. And now we're getting to a part where we're going to get into our summer series. But before we do that, I'm going to read a nursery rhyme for you, if I can find it here. I wrote down, sometimes small things are very important. And in this little nursery rhyme, when it says the word shoe, it doesn't mean shoe like I'm wearing here. It means a horseshoe. So everyone picture a horseshoe, okay? So here we go. Here's the nursery rhyme. And some of you maybe have heard this before. For the want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For the want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For the want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of the rider, the battle was lost. For the want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. All for the want of a horseshoe nail. This nursery rhyme kind of teaches you that even though there's little things in this world, like a little nail, things that might seem insignificant, things that might kind of slip out of notice, they can be very important have a great impact on things. For instance, everyone look around and maybe take a guess. How many lights do we have on in this room? Look around. More than 10. But we're missing a couple little lights, right? Does anybody notice that? Now, we've got lights on. There's light on the stage. But for me, some of the most important lights, even though they're kind of small, <laughs> very significant, the lights on the cross. They're kind of small. Maybe you don't notice them. How many of you noticed that the cross wasn't lit up? Anyone? Okay, a few of you did. In fact, I've got to keep wiggling that light bulb behind there to get that one going. But small little things you might not notice might seem insignificant, but really they're very important. We're going in our Bibles now to the minor prophets. So everyone take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hosea. In fact, our goal as a church is to memorize the names and the order of these 12 minor prophets this summer. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. We'll stop there so you kind of get used to hearing that. So I encourage you, these might even be pages where in your Bible you haven't looked at before. You know, like, wow. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. They're very small, but they have a great impact, as we will see this summer. And what we're going to do is, each week we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at who was this prophet, and what was the message of this prophet. We'll get a little history on it, we'll get a little background. But then also we'll look at the message of Jesus that resonates with Hosea. Resonates with, that's like, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. And our summary, if you remember last year, what did we go through last year? Anybody remember? Anybody? The Ten Commandments. We went every Sunday, we did a different commandment, all right? And we had a little statement with that. The Ten Commandments help us turn to Jesus 
as we see our sin and guide us to love God and others. So for our series in the Minor Prophets, here's what I wrote down. The Minor Prophets show us a glimpse of God's wake-up call. Hello, everybody there? Hello? Testing one. Okay, there's no. I took the batteries out. But the Minor Prophets are small, but he's got like this microphone going, wake up, everybody! So the Minor Prophets give us a glimpse of God's wake-up call and also the hope of God's love that will not let us go, which is ultimately found in Christ. You notice the three songs we sang, I was going to say this morning, this evening, they focused on God's great love. And I'm excited to go through the Minor Prophets. In fact, some of you maybe never read through the Minor Prophets. In fact, when we get to Obadiah, it's going to be easy. There's uh, 20-some verses in the whole book. We're going to read a whole book of the Bible in one Sunday. It's going to be great. Hosea's got a lot of chapters. Hosea's got 14 chapters. We're not going to read all of that. But I'm excited to get a glimpse of God's wake-up call to His people. He's got this megaphone. He's kind of saying through these prophets, wake up people, you've turned into sin. You've turned from this covenant. And I tell you what, do we need a wake-up call today? Yes, we do. Does our nation need a wake-up call today? Absolutely. So let's pray before we get into this first book. Father God, I thank You so much for Your great love. And often we say, yeah, God loves me. He loves us. And sometimes we don't capture, we don't understand the context of it. Or even one of the songs we sing, Oh, How He Loves Us, sometimes I just go, that song is true, but do people really realize what they're saying? And today as we look in Hosea, we will see the beauty of Your love. And I pray that as we go through these prophets, minor though they may be, they're major in weight. They have a major impact on our understanding of God and our relationship with others. And Lord, we also pray for our nation. The last two Sundays we've taken a significant amount of time praying for our nation. We ask that You would bring Your justice. Let people see what real peace is about that comes from You. God, move in our land and bring healing, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Alright, so take a look at your Bible. You've got the minor prophets there. Even kind of page through that. You've got Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Some of them are small. Why are they called the minor prophets? In fact, in the Jewish tradition, they're just called the twelve prophets. In fact, in some of the writings, they come before the major prophets, which are very long. For instance, like Hosea here. If you take a look, it's only 14 chapters long compared to Isaiah. Anybody remember how many chapters Isaiah was? Any guess? 66 chapters long. Remember, 1 through 39 and then 40 through 66. There's a lot of chapters where the minor prophets, they're not minor because they're weaker, they're just minor because they're smaller in size. So, where does Hosea fit in the storyline of the Old Testament? So, 
if Stacy, there it is. So take a look up here. Remember, in the storyline of the Old Testament, we have eleven books of the Old Testament that carry the timeline, the chronology of the Old Testament, and then fitting within that are all the other books of the Bible. So take a look at that first one right above First Samuel, Second Samuel. We got Hosea and Amos. You got Psalms below that, and that's where Hosea fits within this timeline. Hosea prophesied during the 8th century BC, a period very difficult in Israel. Right here now, the kingdom just divided. There's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And they're just about to fall into this horrible place of replacing God with other things, and because of that, they're about to go into exile. And Hosea is, like I'm saying, he's doing this wake-up call before the exile comes. And Hosea's primary audience was Israel, the northern. In fact, it's mentioned 35 times in the book of Hosea. So let's look at his message. Hosea, or another Jewish pronunciation, was Hosea, which is a very common name during this time in the Israelites. It's derived from the Hebrew word meaning salvation, deliverance. Or Yahshua. Whose name in the New Testament is Yahshua? Anybody? Jesus. So it's got that, it's derived from that same Yahshua, salvation, deliverance, help. In fact, one of the most obvious is we're looking at Christ in the Old Testament. Take your Bibles and go to Hosea chapter 11. It's not where we're going to be looking today. But one of the most obvious prophetic messianic sections in Hosea is Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. Here we go. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Here is a great picture of what is fulfilled in Jesus. In fact, take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 2. Go to Matthew chapter 2. Verse 13. When they had gone up, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, and he said, Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So he got up again. We're in Matthew chapter 2, now at verse 14. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Right back to Hosea. So here's an obvious reference to Hosea. Christ in the Old Testament. Here is this prophecy fulfilled. Christ is the one who was coming to bring them out of slavery. Just like out of Egypt, God brought the children out of slavery. Jesus is coming in a new way to bring them out of bondage. But today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the first couple chapters instead. So let's go to chapter 1. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to read all of chapter 1, all of chapter 2, although chapter 2 is pretty lengthy, and then chapter 3 is short. I'm just going to read parts of it. It's going to be on the screen up there for you. We're going to read it in different sections here. So Hosea chapter 1 starting with 
verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer. There's an interesting name. Gomer, daughter of Diblaim. And she conceived and bore him a son. Listen to how interesting the names are in this section here. First of all, you got Gomer. To us, Gomer maybe isn't the happiest kind of a name. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him his son, Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. And I'll put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo. Now, notice in your Bibles, there's a space there. In Hebrew, the word lo means not. So whenever in our English we see the word not, in Hebrew it means not. Lo ruhamah. Which means not loved. For I no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. Then after she had weaned Lo, Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo, Ami, which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. We'll stop there. God often in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, which we'll see later here, He often will use marriage as a symbol to teach them about His relationship with the children of Israel. Here God uses this tragic story of Hosea and Gomer as an example how they have treated him. Just as Hosea's wife has treated Hosea, so have the children of Israel treated their God. Hosea's own marriage is a parable for the relationship between God and Israel. We have a picture of the relationship of a faithful husband, Hosea, and God compared to an unfaithful wife, Gomer and Israel. So the Israel is to be the Lord's bride. And the covenant, when they made a covenant in Exodus 19, it was like a marriage covenant, a pact. I will be your God, you will be my people. And they all said, yes, we agree. It was like a marriage. But Israel instead joined herself to other gods. Baal, the false god. And they went after spiritual findings to find fulfillment there. And they became unfaithful like a wayward wife such unfaithfulness justifies god's judgment that is to come now let's look at verse not, uh, where am i at here 10 through verse 1 of 2 but notice even though jose has got these strong words god's saying guess what your first kid, it's going to be about judgment. Your second child, everyone's going to say, oh, you're not loved. Your third child, not my people. 
Why? It's horrible. But even right after that, listen to this. Verse 10. Yet, the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it is said to them, you are not My people, they will be called children of the living God. The, other, the people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say of your brothers, My people, and of your sister, My loved ones. So here, even in the midst of judgment, God still voices, even though I'm giving you this name, not My people, you're still My people. He doesn't leave them because there is hope in God's love, look at me, that will not let you go. No matter how far you go away from God, it's one step back in repentance. His love will not let us go. Now let's go to the next section. Chapter 2, 2-13. Here, Hosea now again announces like with a megaphone, a call to repent and renew their covenant with God. Again, marriage is this analogy he used in the first couple of chapters. Don't be like... Gomer, don't do that. So here we go. Let's read this section here. Rebuke your mother. Rebuke her. For she is not my wife. And I am not her husband. And slay her with thirst. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me food, my water, my wool, my linen, my olive oil, and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she will not find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but will not catch them. She will look for them, but will not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband at, as at first, for then I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold which they used for Baal. I will punish her for the day she burnt incense to the Baals. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she forgot, declares the Lord. Punishment. And it's amazing that God would call a prophet to say, here's what I'm going to do in your life. I'm going to have your life be an example so the people will see the reality of how bad this is. You're going to be a great loving husband, but she will go off and do horrible things, but you will try to win her back. And that's a picture of my great love. Alright, so I want to show you a little example. We have the video ready? We're going to give you a three-minute example for some of you kids so you can kind of see what this story is like. And this is put on by the same... I'm going to say it wrong. Is this the Gospel Project that you guys have in Sunday school? So here's a little video. God wanted to send a message to His people. So God gave instructions to the prophet Hosea. Ooh. Marry a woman 
who will not be faithful to you, God said. Be a father to her children. God was going to use Hosea's life to show his people in Israel what God's love for them was like. Hosea's wife would love other men instead of Hosea, just like the people of Israel loved and worshiped other gods instead of the one true God. God was telling Hosea to do something very difficult. It is hard to love someone who doesn't love you back. But Hosea obeyed God. He married a woman named Gomer. Gomer had three children, Jezreel, Loruhama, and Loamai. Each child's name had an important meaning. Jezreel was the name of a city, so this name was warning to Israel that God was going to punish Israel. They would be defeated by their enemies. Loruhama, which means no mercy, let Israel know that God was not going to show them mercy anymore. They would get the punishment their sin deserved. Loamai, which means not my people, told the Israelites that they were no longer God's people. They had broken their covenant to love and worship God. Gomer was not faithful to Hosea. She often ran away. In the same way, God's people turned away from him. They worshiped false gods. God told Hosea to go after his wife. So Hosea found Gomer and paid to get her back. Stop being unfaithful, he said. Gomer had not loved her husband like a wife should, but Hosea loved her anyway. God gave Hosea a love that would never give up. God wanted the people of Israel to understand that they were like Gomer. The Israelites did not love God like they should, but God loved Israel anyway. Hosea warned the Israelites that God was going to judge them for their sin. He pleaded with Israel to turn back to God. Come, let us return to the Lord, he said. Let us strive to know the Lord. God was going to punish the people for turning away from him, but he would keep the promise he made to Abraham. Abraham's family would be a big family, and one day, Jesus would come from Abraham's family. Just like Hosea paid a high price to get back his wife who did not love him, God had a plan to get his people back, no matter the cost. So I wrote this down here. Punishment is not the ultimate and ultimately what the Lord wants for his people. Even though he's got this megaphone saying, don't do that. Wake up, people. Don't fall after sin. Don't fall after those ways. Punishment is not the ultimate thing what the Lord wants for His people. His desire is that they would leave sin and He promises to save them. And He wants them to return to the One who offers them the good things in life. Here it would mention oil, food, things to drink. He has the resources that's best for them. Now take your Bibles. Hosea chapter 2, starting with verse 14. Remember how our summer statement is this. The minor prophets show us a glimpse of God's wake-up call and also the hope of God's love that will not let us go. We've had the wake-up call. 
we got this picture. Gomer doing her thing. Hosea. Now, in verses 14 to the end, 23, we have a statement of God's faithful love that will not let His people go. Therefore, even after the judgment, this is what God says. Therefore, I'm now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give back her vineyards. I will make the valley of Acre. Acre means trouble in Hebrew there. The door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth. As in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. See that intimacy there? It's not just, okay God, you're the master. But there's this intimacy there. I will remove the names of the Baals from their lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day I will make a covenant with them, with the beasts in the field, the birds of the sky, creatures that move on the ground, bow and sword in battle I will abolish from the land, so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you or make you my wife forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain and new wine and the olive oil. They will all respond to Jezreel. I'll plant her for myself in the land. Listen to this. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. Lo Ruhamah. And I will say to those called not my people, Lo Ami, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. I encourage you, mark this section in your Bible. If I had to pick 20 most important chapters for me personally in the Old Testament, Hosea 2. Why? Because God's megaphone is always on me. Not just in judgment, but wooing me, alluring me, saying, come back when I get wayward. God has a love for His people that will not let us go. And this is one of, to me personally, one of the most beautiful pictures I see in the Old Testament of that. You once used to be, Lo Ami, not my people, but now you are my people. Israel's faithlessness have been ugly and painful. Still, it could not extinguish God's faithful, redemptive love that will not let us go. Amen? And I know all of our lives are like that. So where is the message of Jesus that relates with Hosea? 
Oh, it's so easy to see. The redemptive themes of God's unfailing love in Hosea's story are supremely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And they're done in two ways. Jesus is our Redeemer. You're in Hosea? Look at chapter 3. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves Israel. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacrifice and raisin cakes. Man, they must have great raisin cakes. Hardy's got good ones in the morning. I've had those before. So what he did? He took all this money and says, I'm buying you back. You see that in the next couple of verses. I love you and I'm going to purchase you back. Just as Hosea acted as a redeemer of his wife to buy her back, Jesus is the one who paid our ransom and became the one who bore the curse of the covenant upon Himself so that we would be free. He ransomed His people just as God ransomed His people in Israel. Or, sorry, in Egypt. In the Exodus event. Just as He ransomed Hosea does with his wife, Jesus is the One who ransoms us. And in His resurrection, He justifies us. We see that in Romans chapter 5. Accomplishing the prophesied new exodus. Number one, what is the theme that Hosea has that Jesus has? He's our Redeemer. And number two, Jesus is our lover. Just as Hosea acted as the lover of his wife, Jesus in His great love laid down His life for the church. For the bride. Ephesians 5.25 said, just as Christ laid down His life for the church, for His bride, buying her back from the slavery of sin, we have Jesus. Our great Lover gives His life. Ephesians states that the great mystery of marriage refers to not how can a man live with a woman? We go crazy. Oh, I can't figure them out. The great mystery of marriage is this. Christ and the church. Christ's great love for His people. In Hosea, we see this great message that Christ has this great redeeming Love for His people. God's people, we are no longer lo ami. We are no longer not My people. We are now called the bride of Christ who will be married to Christ. Jesus is coming again to have a marriage of a Lamb ceremony and banquet found in Revelation 19. It's going to be beautiful. We bride of Christ. I remember when my girls were little, this was I don't know if it's popular now, but there was all this you're a princess. They had all this princess stuff and and 
Kaylin had the first prince's shirt, and of course we tried to pass it on to every other daughter we had, and we had four daughters, so I don't know if Grace ever got it, probably wore out by then, but here's, here's just, this is just maybe small, but my problem is this. You're not a princess. You're a bride. Princess is here. Bride is up here. You have so much value and worth because Jesus redeemed you and He's your lover. You're the bride. So let me end with this. Your relationship with Christ should be treated as a marriage. So with that, He must be first in your life. He's to be your first love. You've heard me say this multiple times. God is number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, and then comes my wife. Why? Because if Amber was number two, at times she might become number one. And God gets all total devotion. That doesn't mean Amber's way on the bottom. No, I love my wife. Christ must be number one. And when you replace Him, it is seen as idolatry. And it is seen as spiritual adultery. Don't replace your love for God and your need for God with other things. As you've heard me say before, it's very possible that all of this COVID stuff, all this economic crisis we're dealing with is a wake-up call. So we would see our need for Him. Amen? He must be first in your life. Treat your relationship with Christ like a marriage. And also, we belong to Him. So take your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. I encourage you, bring your own Bibles to church, but we have Bibles for you. These next couple months, I encourage you, bring your own Bible, and some of you have it on your phone. But bring your Bibles so that way you can, in your physical Bible, mark Hosea 2. Amazing chapter. 1 Peter chapter 2. And this will close. People, you belong to Him if you are in Christ. And if you are not in Christ, turn to Him. Cling to Him. Verse, well, yeah, verse 8 here. A stone that causes a people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Here it is. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, or here, God's special possession. So that you may, here's one of our responsibilities, so that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Now a little bit of Hosea. Once you were not a people. Once you had the name Lo-Ami. But now, you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that beautiful? You belong to Christ. Treat it 
like an amazing marriage. And you will reap so many great benefits of His great love. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for Hosea. And I thank You that he obeyed You. Even though he was probably very confused on why he had to marry Gomer and all that he had to go through and then to name his children, not my people, no mercy. This, why, would, why would he have to go through that? But what a picture we need today. Your megaphone still cries out. But I love that you don't leave us in judgment. Your love is a love that will not let us go. You allure us. You bring us to that breaking point. And we praise You. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God so that we may declare the praises of Him who calls us out of darkness into His wonderful light. Let us do that to the day You take us home. Let's stand as we sing our last song.